The patient with thoughts of suicide or self-harm. Case summary. The duty psychiatrist is asked for their opinion on Mr. S.A., a 28-year-old unemployed, recently divorced man, who was brought in by his landlord. The landlord had called round to discuss payment arrears, only to find the door unlocked and Mr. S.A. asleep on his bed with an empty box of paracetamol tablets and several empty cans of lager littered around the floor. He also found a hastily scribbled suicide note on the bedside table, addressed to Mr. S.A.'s children. Mr. S.A. was easily roused but was upset to have been found and initially refused the landlord's pleas that they go to the hospital. Only when he was violently sick did Mr. S.A. finally agree. The doctor in the accident and emergency A&E department reports that, other than the smell of alcohol on his breath, Mr. S.A.'s medical examination was normal. Blood tests revealed raised paracetamol levels, but these were not sufficiently high to require medical treatment. The A&E doctor is concerned because Mr. S.A. is ambivalent about further ACTS of self-harm or suicide, saying that his life is a failure, and that there is nothing worth living for. Before coming to see the patient, the duty psychiatrist checks Mr. S.A.'s past medical and psychiatric history. For a discussion of the case study see the end of the chapter. While many psychiatric illnesses can be associated with self-harm or suicidal intent both as a presenting feature and a chronic symptom, many patients who self-harm or attempt suicide are not previously known to mental health services. Assessments of these patients are often made by non-psychiatric staff, so it is vital that all doctors are able to detect and manage any underlying mental illness, and have a sound approach to assessing and managing risk. Definitions and clinical features. Self-harm is a blanket term used to describe any intentional act done with the knowledge that it is potentially harmful. It can take the form of self-poisoning, e.g. overdosing, or self-injury, e.g. cutting, burning, hitting. The motives for self-harm are vast and include emotional relief, self-punishment, attention-seeking, and can even be a form of self-help, albeit maladaptive, by way of channeling an intolerable emotional experience into a discrete physical sensation. Suicide is the act of intentionally and successfully ending one's own life. Attempted suicide refers to an unsuccessful suicide bid. Hints and tips. Self-harm is one of the top five reasons for acute medical admissions for both men and women in the UK. Further, it is estimated that a large number of people do not attend hospital following self-harm. Assessment of patients who have inflicted harm upon themselves. Compared with the general population, which has an annual suicide rate of 0.01%, patients who present with self-harm have a 50 to 100-fold greater chance of completing suicide in the following year, resulting in about 1% of people dying by suicide, emphasizing the need for comprehensive risk assessment. It is incredibly difficult to predict suicide reliably, but numerous studies have shown that certain epidemiological and clinical variables are more prevalent among those who have completed suicide, and it is important to bear these in mind when assessing risk. No patient questionnaire or suicide risk scoring system has been shown to be better than thorough clinical assessment. Box 6.1. Risk factors for suicide. Epidemiological factors. Male of any age, younger females more likely to self-harm but less likely to complete suicide. Being lesbian, gay, bisexual or transgender, particularly younger people. Prisoners, especially remand. Being unmarried, single, widowed, divorced. Unemployment. Working in certain occupations, farmer, vet, nurse, doctor. Low socioeconomic status. Living alone, social isolation. Clinical factors. Psychiatric illness or personality disorder, C. Table 6.1. G. Alzheimer's disease, generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, obsessive-compulsive disorder, PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Previous self-harm. Alcohol dependence. Physical illness, especially debilitating, chronically painful, or terminal conditions. Family history of depression, alcohol dependence, or suicide. Recent adverse life events, especially bereavement. The key areas to assess are 1. Suicide risk factors. 2. Suicidal intent, including circumstances surrounding the act. 
3. Mental state examination. 4. Current social supports. Red flag. Suicidal thoughts and actions are common. In the general population within the last year, around 1 in 20 people will have had suicidal thoughts, around 1 in 200 will have attempted to kill themselves, and around 1 in 10,000 will have died by suicide. Suicide is the commonest cause of death in men and women under the age of 35 years and the 13th commonest cause of years of life lost worldwide. Communication. Suicidal patients often feel distressed and guilty. One of the most important therapeutic aspects of the assessment is to convey empathy and optimism. Suicide risk factors. Box 6.1 summarizes the most important epidemiological and clinical risk factors for suicide. Psychiatric illness. About 90% of patients who commit suicide have a diagnosed or retrospectively diagnosable mental disorder, however, only around a quarter of these patients have contact with mental health services in the year before completing suicide. Patients recently released from inpatient psychiatric care are at a significantly elevated risk for suicide, particularly during the first couple of weeks after discharge. Summarizes the most important psychiatric conditions associated with suicide. Communication. Every patient with suicidal ideas should be asked about alcohol or substance misuse, no matter how unlikely it seems. Taking a non-judgmental stance is likely to enhance the therapeutic relationship and help the patient feel understood. Physical illness. Many disabling or unpleasant medical conditions can be associated with self-harm and suicide. Often, a patient may have comorbid depression that will respond to treatment. However, a minority of patients have no mental illness and make a capacitous decision to die. The most common examples are chronic illnesses which cause a lot of functional impairment or pain, e.g. chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, asthma, stroke, epilepsy. Life-limiting illnesses, e.g. cancer, Huntington disease. Recent adverse life events. Stressful life events are more common in the six months prior to a suicide attempt and include relationship breakups, health problems, legal financial difficulties, or problems at home or within the family. Suicidal intent. Suicidal intent, which is commonly defined as the seriousness or intensity of the wish of a patient to terminate their life, is suggested by the following. The attempt was planned in advance. A lethal suicide attempt typically involves days or weeks of planning. It is rarely an impulsive, spur-of-the-moment idea, the exception is the psychotic patient who impulsively responds to hallucinations or delusions. Planning is strongly suggested by the evidence of final ACTS. These include the writing of a will or suicide note. Precautions were taken to avoid discovery or rescue. For example, a patient might check into a hotel room in a distant town or ensure that no friends or family will be visiting over the ensuing hours or days. A dangerous method was used. Violent methods, hanging, jumping from heights, firearm use are suggestive of lethal intent. That said, use of an apparently ineffective method, e.g. taking six paracetamol tablets might reflect lack of knowledge of the lethal dose needed, rather than a lack of intent to die. Therefore it should be ascertained whether the method used was seen as dangerous from the patient's perspective. No help was sought after the act. Patients who immediately regret their action and seek help are less at risk than those who do not seek help and wait to die. The person communicated with is often of significance, they may be someone whose behavior the patient is seeking to influence by their act of self-harm, and or they may be someone who provides support to the patient. Mental state examination. This should ideally be conducted in a calm, quiet and confidential setting, preferably when the patient has had a chance to rest and is not under the influence of drugs or alcohol. Check specifically for Current mood state, does the patient appear to be suffering from a depressive illness? Assess for features of hopelessness, worthlessness or agitation, all of which are associated with a higher risk for completed suicide. Other psychiatric illness, does the patient appear to be preoccupied, delusional or responding to hallucinations? Is there evidence of eating disorder, substance abuse or cognitive impairment? Current suicidality, is the act now regretted, or is there strong intent to die? What does the patient plan to do if discharged? 
protective factors, what aspects of the patient's life family, children and dependents would guard against further ACTS. Lack of protective factors, or dismissal of their importance, is a worrying sign. The following questions might be helpful when asking about suicidal ideation. Have you been feeling that life isn't worth living? Do you sometimes feel like you would like to end it all? Have you given some thought as to how you might do it? How close are you to going through with your plans? Is there anything that might stop you from attempting suicide? Hints and tips. Patients who are tired, emotionally upset or intoxicated may appear to be at greater risk for imminent self-harm. Allowing some time to sober up and reflect can be of great therapeutic value. However, this will always be a matter of clinical judgment. Patient management following self-harm or attempted suicide. Management planning should follow assessment of risk factors and mental state. It is important to remember that self-harm and suicidality are not discrete illnesses, instead they are symptoms reflecting a complex interplay of mental disorders, personality types and social circumstances. Rather than taking the form of a prescribed care pathway, management of the suicidal or self-harming patient requires clinical judgment, taking into consideration the needs of the individual patient and the availability of local resources. This can often be anxiety-provoking for healthcare workers. Formulation of a management plan should be made after a thorough review of any available past history, including care programs or crisis plans if relevant. It is always desirable to obtain a collateral history from a family member or close friend. A good plan should include both short and long-term management strategies. Immediate management considerations include the following. Is the patient in need of inpatient psychiatric care to ensure their safety? If so, can this be achieved on a voluntary basis or is the use of mental health legislation required? Would the patient benefit from the input of home treatment, outreach or crisis teams? C. Does the patient have existing social supports that could be called upon? Reducing access to means of self-harm, does the patient have a collection of tablets or rope remaining in their home they could dispose of? Should their prescription medication be dispensed weekly or more frequently? Longer-term management involves the modification of factors that could increase the risk for further ACTS of self-harm or suicidality and may include Treatment of psychiatric illness medication, self-help, psychological therapies, community mental health team, outpatient appointments, GP follow-up Avoidance of substance use highlighting association with suicide to patient, encouraging patient to attend voluntary organizations and or addiction services. Optimizing social functioning, social work, citizens advice bureau, community groups and activities, encouragement of family support, voluntary support agencies. Crisis planning, relaxation or distraction techniques, telephone counseling services, information on accessing emergency psychiatric services. Discussion of case study. Self-harm risk assessment. Mr. S.A.'s epidemiological risk factors are that he is a young man, recently divorced, unemployed and lives alone in social isolation. His clinical risk factors are that he may have alcohol problems and has recently experienced adverse life events, divorce, financial difficulties. The evidence of final ACTS suicide note and the failure of Mr. S.A. to seek help after the act suggests strong suicide intent. The fact that he would not have been discovered but for the landlord's timely arrival indicates a degree of forward planning, although his leaving the door unlocked and his willingness to go to hospital after vomiting suggests some ambivalence. Mr. S.A. had consumed a significant quantity of alcohol at the time of the overdose, which could have clouded his judgment and increased his impulsivity. On mental state examination, Mr. S.A. has ongoing suicidal ideation and cognitive features of worthlessness and hopelessness, which are associated with suicide. Further Management the duty psychiatrist should ask about all the epidemiological and clinical risk factors, specifically about past or current mental illness is Mr. S.A. known to mental health services, previous episodes of self-harm, alcohol or substance dependence, physical illness, family history of depression, alcohol dependence or suicide, and recent adverse life events. 
The duty psychiatrist will also be interested in Mr. S.A.'s current social support in order to try and help him formulate the most appropriate management plan. As this is a complex risk assessment, the duty psychiatrist will probably have to reassess the patient himself, especially as regards detecting mental illness on mental state examination. The psychiatrist might ask the A&E doctor to keep Mr. S.A. overnight, so that a mental state examination can be performed in the morning when he is refreshed and no longer under the influence of alcohol. A hospital admission or follow-up by a high-intensity support mental health team, e.g. crisis team, seems to be the most likely outcome. Chapter Summary Self-harm is a very common presentation with many different causes. Self-harm increases the risk for completed suicide, but the vast majority of people who self-harm will not die by suicide. Assess risk for suicide in all those who have self-harmed by identifying risk factors for suicide epidemiological and clinical degree of suicidal intent evidence of mental disorder use of alcohol or other substances and social support and protective factors. Management is very specific to the individual but should include crisis planning for all.